Failure is just simply your first attempt at learning. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. I'm bringing you today an amazing guest who has done so many different things that is going to be impressive because all of it is about having that winning mindset. And when you have that, you seem to be able to find new ventures, get into any industry and still have massive success. As you're going to be listening to this, you'll see how you can apply these same ideas within the workplace, regardless of your position. Now, this woman has actually won Miss Universe in 2005. She's then launched her own perfume brand called Beauty Icon. She has a wellness blog called HBB Life. She's written two best-selling books, Healthy, Happy, Beautiful, and I Am Winning, A Guide to Personal Empowerment. She's starting out as a DJ. She's also the co-founder of an online startup called Travel Book, and the list goes on of amazing things that she's been involved with. A lot of her work has also went into philanthropy, working with the United Nations, and all of her concepts around her online courses and books have been involved around this winning mindset. What does it mean? How do we apply it? How does it change our life? Natalie Globova, thank you so much for joining me and it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Jason. It's been such an honor just to be invited to be interviewed on Mind Valley podcast. And I've been a big follower of Mind Valley for some time and I've listened to your podcast a lot as well. So it is a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you're a fan. And it's fun because the way that we were introduced was actually through relationship networking. And we talk a lot about the power of our networks as well here on the show. And so where I wanted to kind of kick this off is you speak about the winning mindset. You've obviously had a chance. Like this is an amazing experience. You've won Miss Universe in 2005. Now, I wanted you to kind of walk us through how does the winning mindset make the influence on getting you to be the winner? Or is it after you become the winner that you get a winning mindset? <laughs> In fact, everything starts with a winning mindset, Jason. And I don't think I would have been able to win the biggest beauty contest in the world if it hadn't been for the winning mindset. And a lot of people don't know this, but I actually didn't win on my first try in the national contest. So when I first entered, I was new to pageants. I didn't know much about it. And it took me a few years to really get my feet on the ground, to understand all the ropes of the game. And on my first try at Miss Universe Canada, I'm also a Canadian like you, I didn't win the pageant. I became the third runner-up. And for most people, that would have been the end of the road. And they would have said, well, that's I didn't win, so I'm going to give up. But actually, for me, that was just a way to fuel my ambitions and to say that now I know what doesn't work. And in fact, I did learn a lot from my mistakes on the first round. And that is, I decided to go once again for the second time. And on the second time, I did win Miss Universe Canada and ended up going all the way to Miss Universe, which was held here in Thailand. And that's why I ended up living here in Thailand. But the thing that I wanted to say about not winning on the first time as well, I had a lot of people trying to deter me from continuing to pursue this goal because they said, you are an immigrant in Canada. I came to Canada when I was 13 years old. I was not a natural born Canadian. So they said this title will only go to a person who was born in Canada with a Canadian last name, Canadian accent. And as you can see here, I have a bit of an accent, an Eastern European one. And many people said, don't even bother. So I actually, despite all of these 
objections and limiting beliefs that people try to instill on me, I decided to pursue my goal and then became the first ever immigrant to win Miss Universe Canada and the first immigrant to win Miss Universe. So <laughs> it kind of goes to show you that no matter what people say, if you do have a dream about something, you have to go for it. So I want to pick on a nugget here because, you know, you mentioned how the first time you didn't win, yet you still had the passion and the will to continue and try again. And even with the people that seem to be against you, and that seems to be the noise that often comes when we do something that's against the grain or that's kind of challenging or any act that would be quoted being more courageous than what most people choose, it seems like a lot of people feel like they need to bring you down to their level of courage because it'd be uncomfortable to see someone go out and do incredible kind of makes you reflect on your own level of courage. So what is that spark that you need to make you be willing to still go at it knowing that you've failed once? Because this is a trait that we need to do if ever you've initiated a project, went into entrepreneurship or any venture out there, failures come. Yet there needs to be that extra grit to be able to do it again, even in the face of failing. Where do you see that element? Well, in fact, my book, I Am Winning, talks about the seven qualities that all winners possess. And the first one being gratitude, of course, you can't go anywhere without gratitude and enjoying your life. But the second and third are the ones that could apply in this case. So second one being fearlessness and the third one being resilience. Now, a lot of people think that you have to be born with these qualities in order to be a winner. But in reality, none of us are really born with them. We're always in process of acquiring them and developing these qualities. So the quality of fearlessness is something that you have to possess and develop over time by trying to take yourself out of that comfort zone, by trying little steps every single day, by doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable. For instance, many people have a fear of public speaking. Well, the best way to gain that fearlessness is maybe go do a live on Instagram or on Facebook and just break through that fear little by little. You don't have to do big steps, but small little steps throughout the days and weeks and months are going to honor that fearlessness quality that we all need in order to succeed and become winners. And resilience as well, in the face of failure, you have to just get up and try again. You have to always remember that failure is just simply your first attempt at learning, or maybe a second or third attempt at learning. But no matter how many times you fail, it actually has to fuel your motivation more, not less, because you understand that I'm going to be the one who's sticking it out the most. And as everybody else gets weeded out, I will be one of the only few left. So these are the two qualities that I believe we can all practice in our daily lives. It's interesting because I've often heard the quote that I absolutely love, which is, if you don't quit, you can't fail. I mean, if you don't quit, you can't fail because you'll always be trying again. You'll always be learning. Yet I feel like I need to add, if there's a caveat, like, is there a time that you should readjust your target? Is there a time that you should quit in the pursuit of being a winner. Is there a time that you have to be like, okay, I have to throw in the tile or do we continuously always pursue and be resilient until it's the end of it, you know? I believe we have to keep going and getting up and trying different approaches. So instead of completely giving in and throwing in the towel, that would be just, you know, not being able to get up in the morning and start a day. But I think pivoting, and as we know from a lot of startups who have tried different ways that didn't work, they've pivoted and tried different approaches, changed their marketing strategy, changed their target audience or whatever it is. But you can always find ways to change your course without quitting completely. So, for example, I've always been an entrepreneur. 
that love to build brands. And I have just such a passion for marketing and branding. And ever since I was in my 20s, I've tried to create brands. And all of them pretty much have failed up until now. That doesn't mean that I have to give up on my dream to be an entrepreneur and have a successful brand. That just means that I found what didn't work. I had a perfume brand that didn't take off. It worked for some time, but it didn't end up being something I wanted to pursue. I had a blog, Healthy, Happy, Beautiful Life, that also I changed my direction because I also realized that's not where my passion was lying. I had you know, so many other little brands that I started and then some of them failed, some of them I gave up on, but I didn't give up on the big vision, the big vision of being that entrepreneur. Thank you for sharing such honesty because a lot of people think, wow, if I'm not going to give up, this one idea that I've selected today needs to be the thing that is successful. If not, I am a failure. And what I'm taking from what you're saying right now is that if you keep having that winner's mindset, you're always going out and pursuing that next thing that becomes closer to what would be the real creation you want to bring to the world, which I wanted to bring out the fact that, you know, chasing something as big as, you know, being crowned Miss Universe worldwide, that's a pretty bold goal. And, you know, there's a lot of people that might have that aspiration. Not everybody gets to win it. And I think in entrepreneurship or in any kind of business building, there's a lot of people that aspire to be an entrepreneur and to build a business, but they don't go out and choose such a big goal. And so when it comes to having a winning mindset, I was going to ask, how important is the goal setting in the process? Because it seems like if you'd set a small goal, you could win all the time. <laughs> well, it all starts actually winning small goals throughout the day. And as big as Miss Universe may seem to some people, it actually, if you break it down, it all comes down to winning the day. And that's why I talk about this all the time in all of my courses. I have a free ebook available for people to download five steps to win your day. So of course, when I first started and I had written down on a piece of paper, win Miss Universe, which was a goal that didn't even seem realistic to me at the time because first I had to win the regional pageant, I had to win the national pageant, and only then I had the chance to compete. And when you're competing, you're competing amongst world's best, right? The most talented, beautiful, successful, and amazing women. So instead of looking at it and saying that this is just completely unattainable, I broke it down further. So I approached this whole preparation for a pageant kind of like a business plan. I wrote out on a piece of paper all the categories where I needed to improve and where I saw myself becoming just the best that I could be in those categories. And those included, of course, my interview skills, my runway walk, the wardrobe, the hair and makeup, fitness and nutrition. So all of those categories were written out like a business plan. And for each one, I would write down step-by-step -step action plan, what I needed to do in order to master that particular category, sort of like biohack myself to become the best of that category. And so daily, I would look at this schedule and this calendar. I call it a winning action plan. And I would check off items as I did them. So I didn't so much focus on a task list that I would have to check off all the items on the list. Because a lot of the times what my clients do is they'll list all the things that they want to do in a day. And then when they don't achieve 100% success with that, they focus on all the things that they didn't do. So my whole idea is that focus on the things that you did do instead, because that actually creates a sense of, wow, I actually won the day. I won the day because when you look at your day, you can say, oh, I've done this. I've had a really good, healthy diet. I went and I worked out. I worked on my platform. I did some charity work. 
And then you can say, wow, look at all those check marks. So in that way, you're setting yourself up for success. Because even if you did one thing, you're already a winner. It's so relevant, especially now. I mean, we're recording this in the middle of the coronavirus, the COVID-19 epidemic, and it seems like a lot of our elements of certainties have been taken away. And when I look at things such as winning the morning or having these quality habits that just give us a win in the morning, there's a certain level of certainty that we get from knowing that at least that was done and that is consistent. And I like that you pointed out the fact that we sometimes beat ourselves up over the habits that we've missed. I have a habit tracker. I have my daily habits that I know give me that great day. And I'm probably hitting 50% of it right now. I'll be totally honest. Like one of them is, you know, not going on checking the news without me scheduling to check the news. And I just find myself being drawn into that once in a while. And then I mark it as a fail, but I don't stress over it. I don't punish myself over it. I look at all the incredible things that I do do in a day. And even if that's not the one that's perfect, there's still a lot of wins to be captured. And so you speak, you have this ebook, you speak about how to win the mornings. What are some of the key things that you would suggest for people to do when it comes to having that winning mindset or that winning morning? I'm really glad you asked me this. And I think I made a comment on one of your Instagram posts when you were talking about daily habits. And I don't know if you noticed that, but I wrote down taking a cold shower. Now, this is something that I truly stand by from a mental strength perspective, but also from an emotional perspective and a spiritual one. Because when you take a cold shower, not only are you kickstarting your metabolism, you are energizing yourself on a mental and a physical level. But if you think about it, when the cold water hits your skin, you're temporarily, your mind stops because all of your attention goes into your body sensations. So what does that mean? That actually means that for a few seconds or maybe a few moments, we're not in our thinking mind. We're completely present in the moment. So this is a wonderful way to give your mental chatter, that monkey mind, a little break. And just for those few seconds, you don't have to stand in a cold shower for a really long time. Just get that shock so that all of your attention goes into your bodily sensations. And then you enjoy that present moment awareness. And you can even set some intentions. You can speak your affirmations. You can say a prayer, whatever it is that you want, whatever is your spiritual practice. You can say those things and you become sort of like this beacon of energy that sends out all of your intention and all of the words that you're speaking out into the universe in a much higher frequency. Because you're not using your mind, you're using just the present moment awareness. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Although I will make a notice, I'm here in Bali, Indonesia right now, and the cold showers just aren't as cold as a Canadian winter shower. <laughs> For sure. But what I do do instead is I actually jump in the pool, which is probably the coldest body of water I can find, and the pool is not being hidden. And when I start the day and do that, it's like perfect reset. And you're just, like you said, you become so present in the moment. It jolts you, and then you just have no incentive to hit that snooze button after you've jumped in that pool anyway. So I find that very powerful. So aside from the cold shower routine, where do you see other magic practices? Like I know you've already mentioned health and fitness. Where do you see that as a priority? Right. Well, it will all depend on your own personality type. It'll depend also whether you're a man or a woman. And I was just listening to your podcast by Alyssa Biddy, who was talking about that men and women have completely different hormonal cycles, right? The circadian rhythm for men versus I think infradian rhythm for women. So if you are a woman, I wouldn't recommend for you to just get up and hit the ground running and start doing all of these crazy intensive workouts. 
However, I would recommend for everybody across the board to take a moment of stillness. So meditation is something that I practice every morning and not only just meditation, but also breath work. So this is where the magic happens for me. When I start doing breath work, it's just such a completely different day than if I didn't do the breath work. So I practice Kundalini yoga and in Kundalini yoga, you have a lot of different techniques. So there's the Kapalabhati breathing, or there's also breath of fire. And there's also something called the alternate nostril breathing, where you breathe in through one nostril and breathe out the other and then do the cycle like that. But my favorite, absolute favorite is the breath of fire, which is Kapalabhati breathing, where you use your belly breathing and you exhale forcefully and then the inhale happens automatically. There's just something about that that oxygenates your body and mind. You get such a clarity of mind. So you really, really set yourself up, not only a physical energy, but also mental clarity. And it's just a wonderful way to kickstart your day, get yourself that energy that you need, and also you become a more productive person for the rest of the day. I really, really love this technique. I love how all these concepts are very much the ideas around like, if you want to cut a lot of trees, make sure you spend some time sharpening the ax. And for those of you who are listening, if you want to get a bit deeper into the breath of fire, the way it works, as she explained, is that you're breathing from your belly and you're just sucking your belly in. That's the one, right? You exhale with sucking your belly in. like. You exhale by sucking the belly in, you inhale by expanding your belly and you only focus on the exhale. So That's right. So you're just focusing on... And what I'm doing for those who can't see is I'm exhaling from the nose. Do you, do you have to do it from the nose or the mouth? Does it matter? I believe you have to do it through the nose. That's always how it's been practiced. And you do about 30 exhales. And then you take a break in between the three sets of 30 exhales. So three sets of 30 exhales, you exhale from the nose forcefully and you bring your belly in on every exhale and you'll see you'll be naturally inhaling in the process. It resets everything. So we're talking here, starting with cold shower, some meditation, mindfulness, whatever is your favorite practice, as well as some breath work kickstarts your day like a winner. And speaking of the mindfulness, do you have a preference? I mean, for me, I just get into a mode of silence. I focus on the breath coming in and out of my nose. A lot of people prefer guided meditation. Did you have a preference? There are so many techniques and there isn't just the right one for everybody. So you have to really pick what is the right one for you. You mentioned that you like silence and focusing on the breathing. That's almost seems to me like a Vipassana type of meditation. Which I've done. So that's where I've learned it. It was the kind of the first phase of the Vipassana. Right. So you can definitely do that, although it might be very challenging for beginners because beginners in meditation, they really find it a hard time quieting down the mind. And even if they focus on breath a few rounds, they'll always notice that the thoughts keep coming back. So another meditation that I recently started doing is called analytical meditation. And this is something that Dalai Lama actually performs every morning for about two hours. He wakes up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. and he does that. So I recently read his book, The Book of Joy, written by him and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And he talks about this analytical meditation, which was revolutionary for me because I thought that a Buddhist monk would always be chanting a mantra or trying to get into that thoughtless state, but he actually uses his mind. He uses an analytical meditation where he asks himself questions. What am I feeling right now? What is this thought that keeps recurring? How can I identify this feeling? Where is it sitting in my body? What is the use of this anger? Why do I feel like this, right? So he just analyzes whatever thought or feeling that comes up, he would analyze 
everything that comes up and get to the root cause of the issue. He makes a joke that the kind of meditation that most monks do, even his cat can do, right? Just sitting there and purring and focusing maybe on a mantra or the breath. But because we're human beings and it's natural for us to have thoughts coming up, it's also very, very effective to analyze what is happening right now. And I've actually used this type of meditation to talk to people to resolve conflict. It's incredible. I sit down mentally with a person that I would like to talk to and mentally have a conversation with that person. And then it just helps me to work through any of the ego issues, any anger, any resentment that may have built up. And honestly and authentically, I discuss and bring up the issues with this person. And the person answers you in your mind as well. So you can have a wonderful conversation. It's great for conflict resolution. And it improves the quality of your relationships. I absolutely love that idea. It's very creative visualization in the process. And it's magical what happens when you actually sit with your thoughts and let your process, because you even get to role play whatever scenarios can come up. And I hope that everybody that's listening is able to apply this within their daily practice, because if you start with at least these foundations, you're off to an amazing, great start. That's a win already if you've done those two things. You've got a solid win, which actually I wanted to bring it back to these, you know, you spoke about a few of the qualities of winners, right? And I wanted to really specifically speak about the fact that you've had your background, you know, going through this pageantry environment and then all the way to winning. I'd be curious to see what are some of the qualities you feel that you were able to nurture and that you feel were very translated into your business ventures, into your entrepreneurship, that you were able to nurture in that environment. Obviously, the winning mindset is probably at the top of the list, but I'd be curious to know what are some other things that you were able to take and translate into a new industry? One of the qualities I talk about in the book, it's actually the last one, it's awareness. Now, awareness can be on several different levels. It's awareness of yourself. Because as we grow, as we develop, we become more self-aware. Absolutely important. It's also awareness of other people and being able to have compassion and empathy when a person is talking and you can understand them better. And also it's awareness of what's happening in the world as a whole. Of course, through pageantry, I've been able to tackle some of the world's most important issues and learn so much from them. In fact, my first trip ever as Miss Universe was to South Africa, where I learned all about the pandemic of HIV and AIDS, which I had no idea about before. Coming from a very sheltered background living in Canada, we're not exposed to all of these world issues like that. So I remember it was a real shock to me on so many levels, just seeing the devastation that this pandemic has caused, and specifically in South Africa, where the rates of HIV and AIDS are the highest in the world. And seeing children with HIV and AIDS in orphanages who were born with the disease, holding a person's hand as they were dying. These were the kinds of things that made me aware of the suffering that's happening in the world. But also it made me aware of my ability to be able to talk about important issues and be able to use my platform and my voice to bring about positive change. So with awareness, of course, I started my spiritual practices and my spiritual path. And I've also believed that it helped me to develop this ability of visualization and manifesting exactly what I want into reality. So this is something interesting as well that goes into the second step of how to win your days to surround yourself by winning visions. Because it's so, so important that whatever it is that you want to happen, well, you have to know what it is first. And you have to bring that into your mind's eye. You have to 
have that skill of being able to visualize something that you want. It's a very systemic way, actually, that I will share with you. And then use the power of your third eye, which is there in the chakra system, which is actually connected to the pineal gland. So it's not just all spiritual. It's also very anatomical. And be able to visualize and bring into reality exactly what you want. So do you want to find out my best visualization method? Tell me. <laughs> okay. So actually, the acronym for this best visualization method is BEST, B-E-S-T. B stands for body and breath awareness. So always before you start visualization, make sure that you bring the awareness into your body and to your breath, because that is the present moment. Everything else is past or future in your mind. But in the present moment, the only thing that's true is your body and your breath. So doing a few rounds of body scan, maybe checking in where your hands are, where your feet are, where the rest of your body parts are, and focusing on the breath is going to right away bring you into the present moment. That's where the magic happens. E stands for emotions, because we can use our thoughts alone to visualize something. But if we use our emotions, it's going to be that much more powerful. When you use emotions, you can really, really attract what you want to happen. So visualize the emotions that you will feel when you have achieved your desired goal. So for instance, when I was competing at Miss Universe, I would visualize the kind of feelings I would have when I got called into the top 10, into the top five, when I was answering the question, all of those feelings like excitement, adrenaline, maybe goosebumps on the skin, things like that, all of the feelings, right? Now S stands for senses. So you also have to involve your senses into your visualization. And that as well, if you're dreaming about a car, you can visualize how the steering wheel feels beneath your fingers, the smell of the new car, the songs that you'll be playing when you're riding in a car, and anything to do with any of your senses. Again, it makes it much more real and much more effective when you visualize. And finally, T stands for timing, and time is now. Imagine that it's happening in the present moment, not in some future ideal outcome, but right now in this present moment. So bringing all of those things together is going to give you so much more awareness and it will make you a master of manifestation of everything that you want into your life. I absolutely love it because once you do this, and again, I'd say this is something you do in the morning practice, right? Yes. You've done this exercise and then it brings you to do the logical next best step to be able to get yourself closer to that winning space. Natalie, thank you so much for coming in. You, we shared so many actionable things that people can apply. And what I wanted to do is wrap it up a little for everybody here. So we first talked about what is this idea of winner's mindset? Is it something that you actually get only after you've had a big win? And no, Natalie broke it down that it's the fact that you need that mindset to get those wins. And even if you're setting these massive goals, remember that winning starts with the daily small wins. We talked about some of these amazing qualities that every winners possess. We talked about gratitude, which is always one of the best qualities to possess to just have an enjoyable, happy life, but is also part of being a winner, being fearless and knowing that you are going to have times that you're not succeeding. You got to get up and have that resilience as well so that you can get back up 
and go and continue to pursue your goal. I really love the fact that even if you go towards a project that isn't necessarily a success, it doesn't mean that you are not a success. It means that you can reevaluate if this is what you want to continue pursuing again to get closer to that win or realize that you want to do a pivot, often practiced also in the business world that it's perfectly fine if your business venture fails. It doesn't make you a failure. It makes you someone who has learned a lot of lessons. We talked about the perfect day. How do you start the day with a win already puts you into that winner's mindset. We talked about how having that cold shower or a plunge in the pool. We talked about having that mindful moment. No matter what meditation technique you practice, we talked about one which is just analyzing your thoughts is actually a way of meditating and probably one that's much easier for people who are just getting started. I know for myself, I try to clear my thoughts. When I go on a tangent, I just come back and focus on the breath. Whatever works for you, as long as you're sitting down, setting some time and making it happen. And then we also talked about the exercise could be good or bad, depending men, women, we have different biologies. Definitely check one of our past episodes with Alyssa Vitti for the women who are curious to know what are the best things to do for your time in the cycle. I really like this idea where you can actually use visualization because once you set that visual idea of what you want and you use the best technique, you get present within your body, you see where your senses are at, you actually use your emotions, the senses, and make sure that at the end of it, the timing is now. You imagine everything that you want is happening right now. And finally, one last thing that was, again, very tangible is in the way Natalie went and won the pageant is actually setting that as a goal and reverse engineering what are the skills that you need to develop to have that win, just like a business plan. So even if you're looking to win within your career, think about what is that promotion you want to have? What is that new job you want to have? What is that business you want to create? And reverse engineer, what is it that you need to develop to be able to be the one that is the best to run that venture, to get that promotion? to win whatever it is that you want to win at. And when you do that, you know what strategies you need to apply and then you just start chipping away as you get closer and closer to the goals you've set and be a winner within your everyday life. Natalie, thank you so much for coming here and sharing all these practical tips. For everybody listening, make sure you go and check out the ebook that we've added in the show notes where she shares you the five steps to win your day and so many more resources from Natalie. And thank you so much for joining us today. Jason, I have to give you a standing ovation for wrapping it all up so succinctly and in such a nice little package. Wow, <laughs> you're a pro, such a winner. <laughs> That's my signature move. That's the one thing I'll <laughs> practice. So thanks again for sharing. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. <laughs>